Hello and welcome to your Fairy God Mentor. This is the show that inspires, encourages, educates, and supports expected couples who desire to confidently navigate pregnancy, birth, and finding balance in an unbalanced world. I am Angie Taylor, the mother of nine with two degrees in natural health. I'm also a birth insider, knowing the ins and outs of the birth industry and all of the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've worked with expecting couples since 2003 in a variety of roles, including birth educator, birth doula, home birth midwife, breastfeeding support, and life coaching. Sit back and enjoy hearing about all the things you never knew you never knew. Welcome to this episode of Your Fairy God Mentor. Today we get to hear from Telma Sanchez, who is a bilingual life coach and mom of two. Her mission is to help busy working parents unleash their potential to lead a fulfilled lifestyle. What does self-love look like to you? Um, Because it's different for each person, you know, so for some women, it is going to the spa, but for others, it's just, you know, maybe a five minute drive (laughs) because that's all they've got time for. I honestly think that, yeah, I have a, a favorite practice, but it also depends on how my day is going and how I'm feeling from the, from the moment being. So I just know that I have to be aware of it and I have to have the compassion to give me that when I need it, regardless of the time and regardless of what I claim, claim it to be my favorite one. For a long time, if you would ask me that, I would say working out is for sure like my form of, of self-love. Just because it was time to myself, it was quite... It was quiet time, which around toddlers, you don't get a lot of it. So, But then I discovered that sometimes I'm tired and I just want to cuddle with one of them without having a conversation, without entertaining them, just being. Or sometimes it's listening to a really good podcast. Sometimes you can be just reading a book, depending on what, like, depending on the face of life and depending on the face of the day. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Yes. So what are the ages of your children? Two and a half and three and a half. Wow. Wow. They're little tiny little baby human beings. The bosses (laughs) of the house, actually, I should say. I report to them now. I just live here. I remember those days. Um, Our youngest is 13. And um, as our kids got into the teenage years, I told my husband, I said, so I'm learning that teenagers need me more than they did when they were toddlers. And I thought they kept me busy then, but it's just so easy for them to, for them to try and keep things private and, you know, not share everything with you. And then when the stuff hits the fan, it's like, why didn't you talk to me? Why, you know, all of these things. And so I'm just giving you the heads up. They're going to need you more. When they're teenagers. (laughs) It's so funny that you say that because I feel like my kids are, you know, toddlers going on on teenager years. It's crazy (laughs) because they they can barely put sentences together, but they claim they're independent. They already want to dress themselves. They already think that they can unlock doors. And I'm just, you're like, nobody told me that. I mean, I thought my teenagers was trying to sneak out of the house, but at two, why is my kid trying to sneak out of the house? At two. But I, yeah, I feel like every baby is going to need you in one way or another their whole life. I still, Mm -hmm. I'm super close to my mom and I need her love more than ever now that I I was like, I finally get you a lot more. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That you, you know that you're a mom when your answer to your kids is you'll understand when you're a parent. (laughs) But nobody prepares you for it. And that's kind of how I landed into life coaching because nobody prepares you for it. And yet I think it's the most important legacy that I can leave in this world. So if I can put my best foot forward for them, then I live my life right. I love that. And yeah, nobody can prepare us. It's it's like I teach childbirth classes and everyone wants to know what's the best parenting book. And, and I'm like, um, your child will be the best parenting book. <laughs> <laughs> no joke each child is different and so oh. you're getting a brand new volume with each child it's not a new chapter <laughs> it's a brand new book with each child 
you know, so it's like, I couldn't say that again. And I've been teaching my kids because they're in such a hurry to be independent. And I just let them know independence is an illusion. You're never going to be independent. There's always going to be someone that you're going to depend on, not because you're weak, not because you have to, but we're human beings. We were not designed to be on this planet alone. And to be truly independent means you're living on an island alone. And that's not what we as humans were designed to be. We're designed to be in a community. We're designed to be. Yeah, we're definitely not meant to do life or business alone. One of my mentors loves, like, is one of her quotes, and I couldn't agree more with it. But I do think that the word independence to me means, like, when I discuss it with my husband, per se, it's good to know that I'm with him because I want to be, because he's a partner, because I, because he and I can make this great, beautiful, powerful team and humans. Like we created awesome looking humans, right? But, but it's not because I need it. It's not because I, like, I am dependent on it because I couldn't have, I couldn't survive on, you know, I feel like a lot of females struggle, want to think of them as independent and, and it's a beautiful thought if you if you are qualifying it right you know mm-hmm. you don't need to be but it's so nice to tell you to tell my husband I was like I'm with you because I want to be because we're awesome together because you do make me a better person you put me you, he also brings the worst out of me but it's irrelevant but for the overall <laughs> it's uh-huh. my choice that we're making you know it's Absolutely. not necessarily like I couldn't I couldn't figure things out of course you can and you can find resources for anything that you're facing in life when I was pregnant and about to have my kids I really wanted to have them naturally not be there by size of my needle I was like no right (laughs) thank you you can pull that away you're so kind but please don't show me that again because I'm about to faint just looking at it and my husband is just like it's just a pain just like oh my god are you the one holding the baby you might want that refrain from commenting on but instead because I saw his his fear on how are you going to do this naturally when a lot of people and he's like all he knows is what we what he reads what he hears he had the same struggle when thinking of Mexico he's like the narcos all the negativity and I was like you are missing so much you're missing this whole beautiful culture that you're never read about because you're not looking for that you're just looking for for a specific answers. And so that's what you're going to find, right? Mm-hmm. But if you do the research and, and are looking for, I want to l- deliver my kid naturally and feel it and allow it and be present and just, I don't know, it, it, feels, like it fills me up. I was like, oh my gosh, I live for this moment. I always wanted to have kids. I got to do that. But it was uh, it was as much for me as it was for him. Right, yeah. <laughs> give him the peace of mind. So I was like, educate, educate yourself, but you might not be receptive of what I'm saying. But maybe an expert will help you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I find with dads where birth is concerned, if they can talk to another dad about the experience, um, especially when it's the first, you know, um, as I'm teaching childbirth classes, I always tell the moms, he's your knight in shining armor. It's built into his DNA to protect you and to save mm-hmm. you even from yourself. However, when it comes to giving birth, the only one he needs to save you from is yourself, your own fears, your own doubts in yourself, um, and the fact that every woman reaches a point in her birthing process where she simply cannot go on. And in that moment, her sweetheart's best job is to deliver dopamine through encouragement And you're doing a great job. I'm absolutely amazed at how far we've come. You know, just take it one one contraction at a time. And that amount of dopamine that he is able to create within her is what helps her finish that birth up. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's got a very important role. Um, but so many men have been taught that their only role is conception and postpartum and, so and it's weird. not, there's, there's so much 
for yeah. his sweetheart during the pregnancy and especially during the birth. He he is needed so much. Yeah, I, I feel like that touch is the best IV that you can get at childbirth. Absolutely. Like just mm-hmm. it's coming from the best source that I that I, I need at the time. Yeah, but it was still scary and and for them even more for them because they're not feeling it they're not understanding it they're not they they're just like seeing you in so much pain my husband have never seen me feel before in my life and i feel so much i didn't even know about like what was happening (laughs) so it was definitely such a different experience one for the books (laughs) yes yes well and in a man's dna they're the fixers And with pregnancy and birth, there's nothing to fix. It's a process that's working exactly as it was designed to work, even when you don't understand why it's doing what it's doing. Um, It's still so hard for them to just allow sometimes, right? It's so hard. Yeah. I think my husband aged like about two years on the day of. Like, it's funny because the next, like, when we finally delivered my first kid, people were like, Who delivered you or Ray? Like, he looks exhausted. Yeah, and I, I like gained my my life back up and my energy and everything as soon as I made my baby. But he was like, that was like a long labor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're not gonna have all the sore muscles that I'm gonna have over the next couple of days. <laughs> oh my goodness, such a trip. Yes, well, and yes, I do want to talk about the, um, you know, what you brought up with the. It's important for us as couples to be in relationships we want to be in instead of in relationships we feel like we need to be in. There's a freedom that comes when you're able to have those conversations with your, your sweetheart. It was one of the, the conversations my husband and I had. It's a, we're both in our second marriage. And, uh, you know, before we even got married, I remember telling him, you're, we're getting married not because I need to be married. I, you know, was raising three kids by myself and doing fine financially. And, uh, and one of the things that he said to me was one night I had one of the kids had wet their bed and I told him, I said, just, just go home. I'm just going to change the bed. And, um, and he was grabbing the sheets from me and I said, I can do this without you. And he said to me, he said, I want you to know that you no longer have to do this alone. You know, and so that was the, that having those types of conversations, um, because I know there are so many women who are married and they feel like they're alone. So it's important to have, I think that that's also part of self-love is finding your voice and having those conversations that you're afraid of what's going to come from them, but they're conversations that need to be had between you and your sweetheart. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm with yourself. I honestly asking for what you need from yourself and from those around you is so important. And many of us don't have, we are afraid of, of it, or we think that it's going to be needed or I shouldn't because it, it's assumed. Nothing is assumed because we're so unique. We're, I mean, my needs are very specific <laughs> and, so, and there's no way that I'm going to guess my husband. He is a completely different human. We couldn't be more different. And I know that if I keep guessing, I'm never going to get it right. Honestly, we, we tried it. We tried when we first got married, figuring things out on, on our own. And, and for a while, it worked out. But were we completely in sync? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we were until we finally sat down and say, what is it that I... Who are you and who do you want to be? And who like and how can I support that? Like how can I support that and be what you need me to be? Because and how like and I was like, okay, I hear you. I and hearing with no judgment, right? Because then some some of the things that they say you can be like, ah, you don't feel love, but I cook for you, I right. clean the house, right. like all the things, right? And so some of the some of that conversation sometimes is hard to to hear. But it's so much, there's so much power to it. There's so much information that you can gain and you can learn how to love, right? Love languages. You can read the five love languages. Mm-hmm. I was doing it all wrong. And we were still living under the same roof. And for the perfect, for a picture, we looked great. He was in good health. I was in good health. He had a good position. I had a good position. But in that 
I didn't, I didn't want that superficial marriage. I wanted my best friend. I wanted my rock to fully know how to be there for me. Right. Exactly. When I know my husband and I, a few years ago, um, because it's the second marriage, he and I early on in our marriage heard a family and marriage counselor speak. And he said, your first marriage, you have a 50% chance of divorce. And your second marriage, you have a 28% chance of success. And I was like, <laughs> I don't need Dang. to hear that right now. So a few years back, we, we were having a, a challenging time. And it's very common in the second marriage to just go straight to the divorce card. You know, I'm just, I'm out of here. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, why, why am I doing this? Um, but he and I had this conversation and I told him, I said, I need you to know that even though we're, we've hit a really rocky spot, I'm not thinking about divorce at all. And I said, so if you are, I need to know now. And he says, huh, divorce isn't even on the table. I said, okay, we need to redefine our relationship from this point forward. Just draw a, a line in the sand and whatever's happened to this point is gone. It's done. But from this point forward, we need to have conversations as imperfectly as necessary because we need to have a marriage like Adam and Eve did. You know, uh, there was no competition and divorce wasn't a thing. So understanding that we're, we're going to have arguments and we're going to have discuss heated discussions but we need to keep saying what we're saying until the other one gets it and understands. Um, and I think that that's how a lot of couples are starting to move towards that idea that we just need to take divorce off the table so that we can feel free having those conversations. Cause I think so many couples refuse to have those conversations because they're afraid that their partner's going to bolt on them. And, and they're, you know, there are deal breakers. There are things that each one of us needs to let the other one know, you know, if you do this, you're out the door. I'm just, that's something I can't, because I also have to care about myself. There is these things, you know, one or more values. core values yeah, that you, you step over that line and it's over. Um, but if you don't know what those lines are, if you don't know where those boundaries are, then you're not really in a healthy relationship if you can't have those conversations. Right. So when I first got married, which feels like a lifetime ago, like I, I was so young and we were so young. We both were so naive and in love. Thank God we were madly in love. Which, uh, but we went into some classes and in there, they did say, you have to talk about your core values, the financial, what the expectations are. And it was awkward. It was very awkward. And we left that conversation thinking, wow, we never really talked about any of this. And, and some of the, his answers surprised me and some of my answers shocked him and <clears throat> led to that conversation. But thankfully, that class was there to guide us and and remind us that it's nothing personal. Like, it's really not. Like, we are who we are based on how we grew up, what we see, what we believe, what we want, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, but it, it did set like a good foundation for, for our marriage. And then it, and then it didn't, because then we, then life happened, then we, we were living together, right? So I feel like even, we never, we have been gotten divorced, but for a while, it was like a card that we would play. I am totally guilty of it. I was just like, I don't, I don't necessarily need you because I'm, I'm financially stable. I like, I mean, my, I've seen people do it. Like why, what's the point of fighting things so hard? And until we realized that we were not fighting for each other. We were just fighting against, again, like who, who's going to dominate the house. Right. We like, I mean, the house was never to be dominated by anybody. Like, I don't know why we got confused, right. but we did. And it was for a while, the card that we used until until we were just like, oh, this is just so draining and it's not getting us anywhere. We're not solving anything. I'm just resenting you. You're resenting me. We're arguing. We're moving even more, more apart versus mm -hmm. realizing that, that if we fight for marriage, if we fight for what we both want, the mission that we had when we first got married, when we really felt madly in love and convinced and why were the reasons and rediscover each other, right? Because you change, you, you grow up. You mature, mm -hmm. you you want different things. 
Yeah. Or you don't want certain other things. Or you're just like, I really thought I wanted this. But you know what? It's really not big of a deal anymore. Right. And I think that, yeah, we have those conversations. And then we became parents. And we didn't know each other for a while. of a home hormone madness. Trying to figure out who I was as a mom. Who I wanted to be. And he's like, what's my job here? Am I just... And I was like, I, you're, you're still my husband. Like, I still want to... They, you know, <laughs> I know we haven't slept in a month, but yeah, it's, I feel like those conversations need to happen often, especially when you're shifting in phases of life because you you shift as a person. I'm not going to change my husband, but I have changed so much myself that he, he should probably at least get a warning, the opportunity to know like, hey, um, this is me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly it. You know, and I, I've had conversations with friends and clients and you know, they're, they're in a different phase in life. And they're just like, I just want to go back to how it was five years ago. And I'm like, you're not the same person. You're a completely different person. And so I think over the course of a marriage relationship, um, you, you have those times throughout the years where you have to, you have to choose, you know, can, is this, is this new person before me, someone I can fall in love with? because they've changed. So is this someone that I can fall in love with and we can keep going? Or is, is the way that they're headed totally different than where the direction that I'm headed in and, and have your discussions and talk about it. Communication is so important and, and not just in that relationship, but also in our relationships with ourselves. Because I think all too often we let that negative self-talk um, keep us from doing things, and we don't have enough positive conversations with ourselves. I have a a picture that every now and then I use as my profile picture on Facebook, and it's the um, it's a woman in a bathroom, and she's looking at herself in the mirror, and her reflection has reached out and is hugging her. And um, I think all too often, especially as women, we forget to love on ourselves and give ourselves some grace and um, forgive ourselves for the things that we do um, to ourselves, the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we talk to ourselves. Because when we do that, when we are deep in our own negative garbage, we're, we can't be good for anybody else at that point. Absolutely. I feel like I grew up in a house in which you got hurt and you're like, you're okay, get out, you'll be fine, get out, mm-hmm. you're and I can't say that we really sat with our feelings much. It was just like, shake it off. No, fine. Like, and it wasn't a big deal. Like, I literally just fell and it, it was mm-hmm. it was fine. But I have noticed that as I these all these self-development and all these parenting classes that say, start with yourself and pack your own back. I was like, damn, I, I don't know. Really, I'm not really good at like naming my feelings, at sitting with them. And I'm, I'm much better at giving compassion to others, which it can be limited amount because if I don't know how to give it to myself, then then you know my availability is not full. But yeah, it makes you really reflect on how is it that you want to show up and how is it that you like how do you teach your kids to feel their feelings when you struggle feeling them yourself? And how do you want to be a role model of self-confidence when when you are not necessarily really good at looking at yourself, right? So it's mm-hmm. For my kids, my kids having like a motivation, a huge motivation to re-self-discover, to re- to redefine self-love and to learn compassion to myself so I can better show it to everybody that I love. Obviously, it's my kids, but everybody. It includes everybody. I don't know where I was going with this comment. I think it's just so, like, I honestly, I think it, we forget. We forget because we're so busy because we want to just move on to the next day to the next thing because you're fine because life is moving so fast that we we forget um and a lot of people do struggle looking at themselves in the mirror and they are like that eye contact with themselves is probably one of the hardest things that you can ask them to do yeah and yet it's so beautiful once you see yourself for who you are for all the all the all the things right because we're so good and so self-trained to be like oh my god I look so tired. I haven't like, and now it's all the negative things 
uh, to where sometimes you're not even able to take a compliment or you they tell you oh, you look beautiful thanks like you don't <laughs> you didn't even believe it. I was like they meant it they people don't go out of their way to lie to you especially strangers <laughs> why would they um but because of who where you are in your life you don't believe it until you really learn to look at yourself for everything that you are the, the good the bad and and the things that you want to change because if somebody has the power to do it it's it's you like and I feel like that look to yourself, to everything that you are, is probably the best, the hardest, and the, but yet the best step. Absolutely. Yeah. A few years ago, I had, I was, I was being mean to myself internally, you know, just that, that negative self-talk that comes out when you're all by yourself. And um, the scripture came to mind, love thyself um, as thy neighbor. No, love thy neighbor as thyself. And after the the scripture went through my mind, this little voice said, "How can you love your neighbor if you don't even love yourself?" Isn't that such a like good question? Because yeah. if for a while, I, I I define myself as a really good friend. Like, and when I hear one of my friends say something negative about themselves, it's like, no, no, no. Let's talk about this. Why mm-hmm. don't you? And I immediately wanna work on it because I feel like it's not true. I know it's not true. I know it's not a fact, right? That negative self talk that I've seen on a loved one. And yet for a long time, I didn't do that to myself. I didn't ask like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) I didn't. I allowed it. And I was, and I, I would find the evidence to prove myself right. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. being right is super empowering, even, (laughs) even in the negative ways. So yeah, it's definitely um, learning to that is so true. It's such a beautiful reflection that you cannot really love your neighbor if you don't necessarily love yourself. And what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Right. Right. It's like, you know, am I just going through the motions when I'm being kind to someone? If I can't even be kind to myself, is it really genuine to be kind to somebody else? Um, Just all of these questions started going through my mind and I was just like, Okay, it's a little bit deep in here. These are important <laughs> things to think about, you know, especially if we're going to be going, you know, trying to bring humanity to a more loving state of mind and trying to elevate each other. My my entire vision, sorry, I don't know if you can hear the printer, somebody's printing something. Um you're fine. But like the vision on my website. I want to make sure that I say it correctly. So I'm trying to pull it up real quick. There it is. So my entire vision for humanity is that tiny humans come into the world humanely, knowing they're wanted, loved, respected, and safe with all other human beings. And we can't do that. They can't come into the world that way until we get mom and dad there, until we help society see them first as tiny humans not you know just a glob of cells but as a tiny human that's developing and growing in utero and can participate and is actively engaged in what's going on can hear can understand mom and dad's language even though they can't speak it but they can totally understand what mom and dad are saying from the moment of birth so even before they're born they know what mom and dad are saying which I think is what frustrates them so much. They come into the world and they can't tell us anything, but they understand the questions that we're asking, right? So they get really frustrated. And so that's part of my my mission is to help inspire, encourage, educate, and support expectant couples um, in that journey. Because it's so important as human beings, we it it's time for human beings to really understand what birth is. And how significant it is for the human being and how important it is. It matters how a human comes into the world. I couldn't agree more with you. And gosh, I mean, you. I think sometimes you have to even start with when does it start, right? And I feel like the moment that you can, I feel like as a woman, now this is going to sound hypocrite because I didn't know I was pregnant for the first two months of my pregnancy. But the moment that I found out and that I heard that little heartbeat, I was like, oh my, oh my God, I was obviously in tears. I was so excited. I was in shock because we um, we had a few miscarriages prior. So I was, really, uh, was a little scared. But then I thought, dang, I'm, I'm no longer by myself. Like this is no longer 
my own body. And my mom always told me, you were your feelings in, in your sleep. And I said, absolutely. Yes, I do. Let's not, I'm never going to change that. But now those feelings are also being felt by, you know, like my roommate, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think that that's the best way that I would put it. I know that there, if you pay attention, if you go to the grocery store and you just look at somebody and take the time to just look and notice, you can almost tell how they're feeling. Can you imagine somebody that is inside of you? Like they have obviously the speedway to your heart. They get the first, the first um, reaction. They can feel your reactions. They can feel your emotions. They can feel everything. And I feel like it's so important to realize that because you can, you have, it has such an impact on the anxiety that a baby can feel, the feelings, the love you can, regardless of what happens and the outcome of that baby. If you have a heartbeat, you have a human being, a unique human being. So I love your beautiful mission. I think it's going to be so, it's beautiful, but I would definitely add uniqueness to that, to that thing because so many of us fall into saying like, oh my God, it's a mini me. It's a mini me. And I used to do this all the time. And oh my gosh, she should probably learn, right? Mm -hmm. She'll learn. She'll learn when she's ready. She'll learn when she's, mm -hmm. when she's, when, when life teaches her. Because sometimes I'm, I didn't, I, I didn't learn a lot from my parents on the hard lessons. I was like, let me figure this out. I know better. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, and so I, it's a lot easier for me to realize they're not a mini me. They're their own beautiful human being. And on, I, again, I think that that's the hardest job as a parent to, to honor that and to embrace it and to empower that. So they never forget. Totally agree. Yeah. We've, we have a total of nine and we have five sons and four daughters. And um, of those, we have five of our children and a granddaughter living with us right now. And uh, some of our sons over the past few years have given us some challenging conversations that, you know, probably a decade or more ago, we would have been more stern with them. We would have, you know, been more um, responded more like the old time parents, you know, but instead, I don't know if it's wisdom or just old age and not really wanting to not really having the energy anymore, but we would come into our room and we would talk about it. And I was just like, okay, on the one hand, it's really frustrating that they're talking to us like this. It's very rude. It's disrespectful. And our parents would have slapped them up across the face, hit them with a switch you know, something else. I said, but on the other hand, isn't it great that they feel comfortable and safe enough to speak to us that way, saying what they need to say using the imperfect language that they have, but knowing that mom and dad are going to love them anyway, that they're not going to get kicked out. They're not going to, you know, get locked up or or any such things as that. They're not going to get beaten. They're not going to be starved or anything such as that, but that they know they can speak their mind and then we can have the conversation. You know, it's been, it's been an interesting um, past few years because our older kids would never have spoken to us the way that, that these younger ones have been. But they're also in a different world than our older kids were, you know, our oldest is 33. So it was a completely different world. My husband and I are about to celebrate our 22nd anniversary. And so 20 years ago was a completely different world than we're living in now. Yeah. Happy anniversary. That's it is. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, we do need to honor our children and the individuals that they are and understand that sometimes they're going to speak to us in a way where we feel disrespected but it's the only words that they know how to use to get their point across. And they're just praying that we hear them with our heart. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, my kids can barely speak back, but they do already. <laughs> but, and yet I have been triggered. I have been like, oh no, I can't allow this because they'll never respect me. I, and I have found myself sometimes parenting by the ego, by the fear mm -hmm. of creating breaths. And when I really sit down and reflect on that, 
I'm not proud of it, but I was parenting with ego because I was afraid that I, I cannot, I cannot allow those. And, and then I'm like, what is the worst thing that could happen? They felt their feelings. They obviously they're frustrated. They can barely use their words. And some of the hardest conversations where I have lost patience and have been rude towards my parents, having the most healing ones, honestly. So yes, I, I obviously don't mean any disrespect, but at the moment I'm heated up and I'm speaking with passion and I can, and I'm just like trying to get something out of me. Right. And the fact that I was able to do that, oh my gosh, like it has healed so much. Mm-hmm. And even and my parents have, were like, I mean, I never really had this conversation coming. It's like, neither did I, but I feel so much better and I'm glad we had it. And I like, we grew closer because of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's honest. Nobody's perfect. And perfect conversations. I mean, unless you're talking about the weather, you're still going to get it wrong. But right. deep conversations, like hard conversations based on the heart are something hard to hear. But yeah, if you hear with your heart and not your ego, then you'll realize that it's honestly out of love that we're having this conversation in the first place and not trying to punish anybody, not trying to like prove a point or not trying to like, I'm your mother, you respect me. Like, yeah, I heard that so much growing up and I, and I respect that. But yeah, the times have changed. Like, I don't really see myself saying that to my kids, but I, I can role model what respect looks like mm-hmm. and say, this is how I would like to be spoken to. And this is why I speak to my parents the way that I do, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't, times have changed and we have to adapt to those changes. We we have to, because otherwise, <laughs> I mean, the Mexican always of the, I'm going to get the chant cloud and you're going to hear me and I'm going to teach you. I mean, I didn't learn much from those. <laughs> right, right. Those are the times when you, what you're really learning is how to be afraid of your parent. And so then when you are a teenager or a young adult, you really need them. You don't feel necessarily feel safe or secure having the conversation you need to have with them. So they're going to shut you off. You know, like it's not even about getting in trouble. I can, I can take this banking, but then did I feel heard? No. Right. And so to me, to me, the most important thing is for me, for my kids to feel loved, seen, and heard. Safe, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's all. But here and seen and loved, and, and I really heard, like, mm-hmm. I can hear you. I don't like what I'm hearing. I can still say that. I can be like, I need a moment to respond because I, and I have said that to even my toddler's kids. They, I'm just like, mommy needs a minute. Mommy is like, peace, close. Mm-hmm. Mommy needs a minute. And it's right. nice because they learn to ask for that too. It's funny to have a, to see a three-year-old saying, Sophia needs a minute, mommy. All right. I also like, is this happening? What is happening? Do I give her a minute? And then I was just like, oh my God, I think I can have to dance about this. She's asking for space. That's a huge, beautiful thing that is going to serve her well in life, not just in this household. Right. Exactly. That's right. And so now to help her keep saying that, you know, um, yeah. So we've, we've been telling our kids, you know, we grew up with parents who were taught that they were to dominate their children, but we've come to learn and understand that we're here to mentor and guide you. So you make your choices and we mentor and guide you through the consequences. We teach you correct principles. And when you live according to those, when you govern yourself, according to those we promise you that life will be simple, but not necessarily easy. It's not that you'll never have a, a rough spot. Um, but when you do have a rough spot, that's what we're here for, to mentor and guide you through it the best way that we can. And yeah. that will always require first gathering all the information. And sometimes gathering that information may mean asking some embarrassing questions. But if you want our help, you're going to have to answer them so that we can truly help you. Um, and honestly, like as parents, and even even in some relationships, we're the, I mean, nobody's going to love a human being more than their own parents. I personally, I don't think so. Grandparents are pretty damn close. Pretty close. <laughs> but, um, but nobody's going to love you the way that, that a parent's going to love you. Nobody. Nobody, nobody. And you might feel embarrassed. You might feel judged. You might feel like they're going to punish you. But 
nobody's gonna have your back like like in, you know your parents and god if you if you believe on that praying it's always a huge healing way to put your words together so you can face your parents but <laughs> right right but if remembering that and always knowing knowing that that it is a safe it's the safest place you wanna you can you can be at right right your home needs to be the safe place to fall you know yeah it's not the most comfortable sometimes and like you said some of the conversations can get really weird mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't had them with my toddlers but I can assure you I have had them with my parents and again very uncomfortable but very healing and for that we all grow closer and they and they also know exactly who I am they know a lot more of me than their assumptions or their expectations that mm-hmm. they had of as parents and that's so important you know just from a a mom's perspective it's frustrating when you discover that you didn't even know who your child was because they weren't having those conversations with you they were hiding who they truly were because they were afraid that you weren't going to love them anyway um and i think that there's far too many families that have that kind of legacy and it's time for that to change it's time for us to all love each other enough to know that we're we're each imperfect. We are each just doing the best that we can with the information that we have. And all of us are searching for the same thing. And that is to to know that we are loved. Yeah, that's definitely that's such a beautiful statement. And it's so true. It's time. It's time because if COVID or a pandemic have shown you anything, it's the fact that you can't you don't need to be able to be with yourself. You need to be able to love yourself. Because literally the world can shut down any minute. But if you love yourself and if you can honor who you are and your feelings, then you can really make some powerful, wonderful decisions that you're either going to learn wisdom from or it might just be a, a funny memory. <laughs> we all have those. <laughs> Yes. Yes. But yeah, f- perfection is a word. Gosh, I, that is one of the words that triggers me. I'm not trying to set anybody up for failure. So I am definitely imperfect from the way that I speak, from my accent, from the fact that I I, I lack some manners because lack of translation sometimes gets me in trouble. I get lost <laughs> in translation often. But but I I think authenticity is so important to have and it's so important to respect um, and to honor, like, how awesome that I don't think I like, or that I don't know the way, like, I have, I would, I can say the same thing in different words. It's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. And if we can, if we can allow it, if we can honor it, wouldn't this be like a better place? We don't have to agree mm-hmm. on everything. That would be boring. <laughs> the exactly. are so fun. <laughs> yes, right? And if we were all the same, it would be so boring. But, so you know, what would we talk about if we were all the same, if we all had the same thoughts, right? Yeah, that's why my husband and I, we couldn't be any more different. Honestly, we couldn't. And sometimes we just have to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. And it's perfectly okay. It's perfectly fine that I, 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 see, I see your perspective. I don't necessarily still agree with it, but I can see it. I can see it now. Thank you for explaining. Mm-hmm. Let's agree to disagree. And that, and with that respect, we still love each other because that would be also a lot of pressure to feel like, oh, I can never disagree with my partner. I can never disagree with my parents. I can never disagree with my kids. There's going to be lots of disagreements. Yep. It's what makes the world go round, right? <laughs> yeah. And keep it fun and interesting. I love your mission. Thank you. What a beautiful mission. And I wish there was more of you because God, becoming a parent can be so scary. Mm-hmm. especially when you have miscarriages, which you have this added fear to be so scary. Yeah. And, and, you know, we don't, we don't live like we used to live. We used to live in a community with our families. And so when a, a woman got pregnant, all of the women came to her and started sharing with her what they knew about pregnancy and, and giving her their best tips. And we don't, we don't have that anymore as women. And, and as women, we need communities so much more um, than men 
not that they don't need community, um, but for women, we just really need a safe space where we know that we can we can share all those feelings. Um, a man's community is obviously different than a woman's. They they need to be able to have these honest conversations with other men um, because sometimes they just don't want to tell us how they're really feeling. They're they're afraid that we'll see them as weak and and without knowing that no, the the strongest thing a man can do is share with his his lover how he's feeling um, and his fears and and all of that. But yeah, I feel like shame definitely takes part of many of the, I think it's a huge reason why we lack community because a lot of people are afraid of being judged or being marked or being like, I didn't really share about my miscarriages much. I, didn't, I even begged my husband to please not tell my family because I just didn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to answer the questions. And I was already feeling so much. I was feeling so broken. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. And Look now, looking back, I'm like, I wish people would have just said, if we normalize the topic, it would be so much more easier to just say, I just went through this, and what are your tips? Like, what worked for you, right? Just like yeah. we do with breastfeeding, and yes, I thankfully I did have good friends that told me this is how things are gonna go down. These are mm -hmm. the ugly things that nobody tells you about that you don't really read in books. Right. I'm so glad and thankful for those friends because really awful surprises. <laughs> like the gymnastics in your lap? There's a lot of those. And we so we need friends. We need good, honest friends. Yeah. <laughs> for the good and the bad. For the good and the bad. Because you can Absolutely. learn from anything and and you can empathize and there and feel still loved when when so, when you sometimes feel like your body is not loving you back or mm -hmm. all these crazy thoughts that we can right. run through. But yeah, community is so important and and it's good to have it as females and it's good to have it. But but even when even if you don't, even if you don't have a community, if you have a partner, then you have a rock. Mm -hmm. So don't shy away from it. Don't shy away from it because honestly, you oh. can grow so much from it. So much. Mm -hmm. And it would yes. suck to do it like hard times are hard. But if you have to do them by yourself, it takes a lot longer. <laughs> Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. And I think all too often as women, when we hit that rough patch, we just automatically think it, you know, I'm just such a horrible person and, you know, I did it wrong. And, and most of the time it had nothing to do with what we did or didn't do. It was just the circumstances. It just happened. So I, I feel for you with the miscarriages. I, I had eight pregnancies followed by more miscarriages than I want to count. Um, and just was like, okay, well, I went from eight pregnancies and eight live births to all of this. And it was really hard, but it was important for me to go through that so that I could help feel what other women feel um, when they go through that. And, and I know that the number of website searches that I did you know, just wanting to know what, what did I do wrong? How did I cause this? And, and coming mm -hmm. to the realization. My fault. Exactly. And, and, but have that realization that there wasn't anything that I did or didn't do. It's actually a design of the body. If it's, if it's not a viable pregnancy, the body takes care of it. It's. And it's, isn't that such a blessing? Like looking back. Absolutely. Isn't that such a blessing? Obviously, if you had asked me this when I was going to one, I would be like, uh, you want to be running back and being able to reflect on it, learn, learning from it. And having these conversations about it is so important because then you can really see see it for what it really is. Like it's maybe your body prepping, right? And then I had this beautiful, healthy child that came into my arms that I can hold and, I, and that I promise I wouldn't, wouldn't raise with fear. Even though... I feel the fear, mm -hmm. but I'm going to hold hands with it and raise my kids with love instead. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. Well, honestly, thank you so much for the space. Thank you so much for such a beautiful conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. You were a beautiful soul. And thank you. I, um, I, really, I really appreciate the space and honest, awesome conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and is there anything that you have that you would like to offer to the listeners? Um, I did 
team up with a nutritional holistic life. She's not transformational coach. She's a holistic nutritional transformational coach. It's a mouthful. But we put together a retreat that is going to be next year in Sedona. Uh, Sedona is a beautiful place. It's so magical. So it's going to be a weekend for for women to to learn to take that space and look at themselves for what they are. It's really our mission behind that. And in my website, you can find freebies because I think that awareness is definitely the number one way to, to realize the parts that you could change if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you don't know, you don't know. But once you know, it's a lot harder to ignore. Mm-hmm. So um, I did create like a tool for that awareness. And I offer one-on-one coaching. And next year, I'm going to have a group coaching, which is going to be so fun because I love community. I think it's so important. And so I think it's time to put one together um, bilingual if possible, just so everybody has choices. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, I just love the conversation. I I learned so much from it. And you are such a beautiful soul. Thank you. I'm so Congrats to all you. Like, yeah, me too. And you, like, all the kids. I'm going to probably reach out one of these days and say, like, okay, nobody, nobody trained me for this. I don't believe in books anymore. Sometimes I just need, like, an honest mom to walk me through. Like, what is happening here? Uh-huh. Is, this a, is this tantrum normal? Yep. Yep. You are welcome to contact me anytime. I can, I'm happy to be there to support you as your little ones grow. Yes. Thank you. Yes. We are not meant to do this alone. No, we're sometimes not. We, my husband and I don't have the answers and neither does Google. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To learn more about me, your fairy god mentor simply go to angie taylor fairy god mentor.com